Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to Why It Hits. With Corey Ryan Forster and me, Matt Coon, where we do deep dives in the songs you want us to, to find out why it hits. I'm a musician. I try to explain it. Corey's a human being. He tries to understand it. And people are digging the show. Last week's show was on Tom Sawyer, uh, the week before Sweet Child of Mine. Uh, Corey, so far, we're having a lot of fun. A lot of fun, getting a lot of good feedback. I'm, I, you know, I don't want to say I'm shocked because I knew that a show about you, with you talking about music was going to get over, but I don't know that I, I thought it was going to get over the way that it did immediately. I'm getting so many fucking DMs. It's awesome. And so many mentions on Twitter and over on Facebook and, and, uh, and even on Instagram when I post about the show. They're like, hey, what are you doing next on, on why it hits? And uh, we did a poll, and thank God... I did. I don't. I didn't. I didn't go on there and say, "Hey guys, this is what I want." But, uh, but it is what I wanted. The weight by the band, in my opinion, a Mount Rushmore, one of the goats, an American standard, just one of the greatest songs of all time. Explain why the weight is important to you. I know with a lot of Southerners, right? It's yeah. like the band, man. The band. The, the band, band. The band is the shit. Like it's. It's like your default greatest band ever in the South the- for a lot of people. It is for a lot of people, and it's weird because only one member of the band is actually from the South, and that's LaVon Helm, who is uh, from Arkansas and also one of the greatest Americans and Southerners of all time. You could tell Robbie Robertson was writing a lot of the tunes, but you could tell LaVon Helm's storytelling maybe in the green room and in the the recording sessions had a lot of uh, influence over what Robbie Robertson wrote because there's just I mean look the night they drove old Dixie down what the fuck are you doing you piece of shit sorry, trying to I, fucking I can't tell you it. about this goddamn hey Corey let me ask you a question and keep hitting buttons like a fucking I'm, asshole I'm trying to rewind it to the beginning and it, it just plays automatically I'm sorry no I'm just kidding dude I don't right. care but so, I think that's it that just it has a southern feel I mean up on Cripple Creek for God's sakes uh wc walcott's medicine show these are all songs that have that southern feel um and yeah they're just they've always been one of our favorites let's talk about feel a little bit here's the beginning of the weight uh by the band and we're gonna talk about feel and i think we're gonna talk about cripple creek too because there's something interesting about this dynamic you do have you know drummers are often not able to contribute creatively to a process Mm -hmm. right it's like here's the song play a beat and there right. is some stuff in Levon Helms beats that you might not know about that have that, you said Southern feel, you can't define it. You can't, you just, you know, you it just is. say it, you, you know, you said it's like obscenity, you know, you know, it when you see it, but let's listen to just the very beginning of the wait. All right, I'm already in. I'm already in. So I'm, good. I'm in and I'm ready. So uh, Levon Helm is the drummer. He's also the singer. That's a pretty unusual thing, right? Yeah, him and I can think of him and Don Henley and whoever the fucker from, uh, did Sister Christian. Not so it's, Ranger. It's Those starts, are the only three I can think. It starts at a... 
right? And then it settles into just a progression, just a chord, right? So let's talk about that drum beat. Do you know that? Do you know what drums you're hearing when you hear a drum beat, Corey? Generally, when a song's playing, what drums are being? I, I know. Oh, that's the deep one, <laughs> and that's the hi hat. And I know this. Like I no, not not like expertly. Like I, I can in my brain when I hear it, I know which one they're hitting, but I don't know what they're called. If that makes sense. So we're going to talk about the concept of swing today. Swing a little bit. Uh, it's a concept that is very American uh, from African roots, but it's something that is. Yeah, we stole it from Africa. That's very American. What, what's more American than that? Levon Helm plays it in his drums and also his vocals swing as well. And I'm explaining what that means. So a drum set, usually in a drum beat, you have a kick drum, boom, boom. You have a snare drum, pop. And that's yeah. usually what we call the one of the three. Boom, yeah. dot, one, two, three, two, kick, two, snare's a backbeat. So the song starts with a backbeat like that. Taking up all those numbers is the hi-hat. It's going, right? So we call those, let's call those quarter notes in this case. We're going to count them. Okay. In between those notes, we have eighth notes. So if we divided them perfectly in half, it'd be, but instead of, instead of dividing in half, you can take two notes and divide it into threes. So instead of going boom, boom, we'll divide it in threes. Boom, 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 boom. One, two, three, one, two, three, one, two, three. Okay. If we take out the twos now. Jesus, so God, of, Matt Cohn. Hey, guys, I'm going to cut in just a second, explain this maybe a little more clear. So rhythm and music, you can just count to four. So think of those drums, those kick and the snare. Boom, dot, boom, dot. One, two, three, four. Kick, snare, kick, snare. One, two, three, four. Now, when I say divide in half, I mean rhythmically in time. So we can actually take those four beats and split them in half and put notes in between. We call those eighth notes usually. So instead of boom, got, boom, got, it's boom, ta, got, ta, boom, ta, got, ta, boom. So those four beats have been divided in half. So we have kind of eight events in music going on. So a lot of times instead of dividing into two, we can divide into three. We call those triplets. So if we go one, two, three, four, that can become triplet, 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 triplet. Of course, another way to count it would be one, two, three, one, two, three, one, two, three, one, two, three. Boot, got, boot, got. One, two, three, one, two, three, one, two, three, two, one, two, three. So when I said earlier, you can take out the twos, I physically mean you take out that number. So instead of counting one, two, three, one, two, three, you leave a space where the two was. One, two, three, one, two, three, one, two, three, one. And as it speeds up, it has what we call a shuffle, a bounce, or a swing. And it ends up boom, 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 da, boom, da, like a blues. And that's what's going on with Levon Helm and that swing. Back to the show. Jesus, so God, of, Matt Cohn. I'm telling you, if you divide it in half, it's just this. Butta, butta, butta. But if you divide it into three and take out the two, you get this sound. Boom, ba boom, ba boom, ba boom. Every song you've ever loved has that in it. Da, on some level. So Levon Helm's playing a drum beat, one and two, and but underneath is a swing. Boom, da 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 da. It's not da 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 da. It's da 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 da. Is swing another thing that you just kind of know when you hear it, or is there an actual rule? No, that's the the rule is it's a note divided into three parts. Okay, the second part's taken out. Because okay. if I were to go one, two, three, one, two, three, one, two, three, one, two, three, 
I take out the two, one, three, one, three, one, three, one, three, one, two, two. When I went down to da 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 so that's kind of a southern thing too, because I've never thought about the voice as like a musical instrument. Also, that's crazy though. Think about what he does rhythmically in this song, vocally, right? Uh, yeah. It's and that's really the important thing about his vocals is rhythmically, and he does a few other things, like when he does the chorus, the sang chorus. You know, he takes take the take the load off Annie, right? Uh, take the load for free. He does the last note high. Right. Then the third time he does the four. Take the road for. He goes up high for that third note. Uh, he's very musical. He's always adding to the song with his voice or drums. Yeah, if you've ever seen Levon, like I, I got, go out of your way, ladies and gentlemen, to uh, to go watch the last waltz if you haven't, and you can see there on the version uh, uh, they do with with up on Cripple Creek. At least like he's so. I mean, he's playing the drums with like his chest. I can't even explain it. Like he's just the way I can't explain it any other way that like him playing the drums and singing at the same time, he himself just is this instrument by which shit is just coming out. It's absolutely so, insane. My job on this show is kind of to try to define these indefinable things for you, right? Right. Yeah. And so what you're saying is. You know, really, one of the emo- one of the the ten what I what we call Victor Wooten taught me the ten elements of music is feel and emotion, right. right? And so, to play the way he plays, you have to give yourself to it. You have to. We talked about Slash and Sweet Child of Mine. You have to serve the song a hundred percent, and he lets it flow through him. It's a oh, choice. Yeah. It's not necessarily something that you couldn't do or I couldn't do. He just does it. And so, you notice, watch him when he sings and plays. He's herky-jerky. His arms are flowing. He's just, he's in the moment. He doesn't give a fuck where his microphone is. He's just fucking going for it, and he's feeling it. And that's that's a very tangible part about music. I was about to say, LeVon Helm plays this very unashamed and very uh, very brave, just like, hey, I'm going to have to look kind of insane to do what I'm doing, but I'm going to do it because it's going to fucking rule. Like, he's very vulnerable. Now, the folksy narrative of the lyrics, right? It lends itself to that, you know. It's a it's a lot of just like, like I said, swung vocals that are just narrative. He just tells a story. And what do the lyrics mean to you, Corey? Man, I, it's funny you say that because this is a song that like I've heard a million bazillion times. It's sort of like this song is like ubiquitous. Like I, nobody's not heard this song. Everyone's heard this song. There's like this song, the Rainbow Connection. And uh, probably a Michael Jackson song. We've all heard them, but and I know all the lyrics. I've sang this song in a, a bar band before. I still kind of don't know what the fuck's going on. Like there's a little, there's it's a little, uh, it's a little all over the place. Like just when you think, okay, I think I know. Like this is this is Traveler, and he's tired. Wait a minute, why is the devil here? You know what I mean? Like I don't, I don't necessarily know. Break it down for me. So with lyrics, would you agree? that it's an added bonus like it's not a crucial thing like i've listened to stairway to heaven a thousand times you've listened to this song a thousand times and loved it a thousand times if they had lyrics that made sense that would be an added bonus if you uh, sure 
if you had lyrics that were touching and meant something, it's added bonus. But it's hardly crucial to a song being great. For the most part, I'm a word guy. And like the stuff that I listen to, I would be just as happy reading it as a poem or uh, just hearing it a cappella. Because like I'm like when I listen to Jason Isbell, to me, it's an added bonus that the the 400 unit his band is so fucking good. I actually I really care about what he's saying for the most part. But yes, you're correct. In some instances, it's like this song just fucking rocks. It doesn't matter. I don't give a shit what they're saying. Uh, like. Bo- okay, Bohemian Rhapsody does make sense and is sad, but like it could not. And I'd be like, I'm just hearing the one of the greatest vocalists of all time doing right. opera. But the fact that it does does make does add a bonus to it and make it something. But again, it's not crucial because it doesn't take away your enjoyment from the weight at all. Not to understand what it's about. Sure, but like just the chorus of it, like to me, when you listen to the weight, it's the the song, the weight, take a load off. Call, you know, hey, I'll be your friend. Take a load. Put the load right on me. If you need a friend, I'm here. I will ease your burden. That's how the whole song makes me feel, and it makes me happy. And he's really good about making the point with a lot of imagery and a lot of, you know, uh, you know, biblical references and just yeah. a lot of cool stuff. Um, the song, I don't know if you're aware of the structure of the song. So song structure is a thing. We talked a lot about how there's threads between different parts of Tom Sawyer last week. We also talked about the threads between the different parts of Sweet Child of Mine. This song is much easier to see because this song has a verse. Woke up Nazareth, was feeling pound half past dead, right? Yep. It just does that. It, do, it does that progression. It doesn't change. It does that progression four times, right? And then is the chorus. Take the load off Annie, take the load for free, and you let the load off me. And it just repeats that formula over and over and over again. More than any song you could really think about just going verse, course, verse, course, verse, course, verse, course, verse, course. But somehow it works. That's another thing, too, about this, that, like, there's all these biblical references, but then dude's just like, hey, man, will you look after my dog? And I, 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 and I don't know, like, what, what the fuck? <laughs> I don't know what it has to do with the Bible again. Also, in some lyrics you read, it's take a load off of Annie, and sometimes it reads, Take a load off Fanny. I, I thought this week in looking up the lyrics that I discovered that it was Fanny. And I, I told yeah. Matthew, I said, it's Fanny. But I'm not so sure. I'm still holding on to Annie, I think. I'm holding on to Annie, too. It's one of those where, like, I don't need to know her. <laughs> it's, it's not important, really. It's not really important. And, like, I know it this one way my whole life, and it's just going to stay that way. So... These, this song and this band are not trained, trained, trained musicians. They're, meaning, you know, they're not classically trained musicians. They're experienced musicians who've had a lot of success on stage backing up people from Screaming Jay Hawkins to Bob Dylan. So they know what the fuck they're doing. They're confident as shit. And they're very irreverent as well. Like, they just do whatever they want. It's not like they, they're, they're, they're like, oh, we're constrained by, by the norms. We're just like, we're just jamming. For the record, I think that's another reason the Southerners like them. They're fucking, they just don't give a shit. They're loose cannons. They just seem like good old boys, and they play like good old boys. I would encourage you guys to listen to the bass lines of the verse. In the verse, you know. Rick Danko on the bass, ladies so and gentlemen. Good. It was, so we created this song. You heard it at the beginning of the show, and maybe you saw the video by now. But in creating this song, that was by far the hardest part to play. Not the drums, not the uh, uh, guitar. 
Um, but that damn baseline, and it is really good. It's intricate, and it's one of those things you don't notice, one of those extra nuggets that makes the song better, the foundation of the band. Well, I'm glad you said that because I kind of wanted to talk about it because when you watch Rick Dank, I don't know, like, when I'm seeing these guys, I'm not looking at it through the lens of, man, what a technically proficient musician. I'm just going... Rick Danko plays the bass like someone with his personality, it seems, would play it. Like, to me, Danko's just up there, and he's, if you ever see him, he's real loose. Like, Rick Danko kind of looks like a character from, like, Chuck E. Cheese's band playing the bass. You know what I mean? Where it's like, there's no way his fingers are actually hitting the notes. And I've kind of been curious, like, is what he's doing, is that actually, like, a hard style? Is he, like, considered really good, or is he just, like, hey, he's our guy that plays bass, and it's fine. So there's there's varying degrees, right? And to answer your question, he's not like this huge technical bassist, right? But you hear this bass line. So when he's going, woke up in Nazareth, was feeling about half past dead, right? He's like... And then he does it, he goes... And it is in the pocket. So when you say, is it technically good? That's a loaded question because there's a lot of guys who can right. be fucking fast as shit. But can right. you hit those awesome chord notes? By the way, every note's perfect, exactly with the drummer in a way where no one notices how awesome right. it is. Um, the chorus is really interesting. It's got these kind of what we call double stops, two notes, and it it makes for a melody on top of the of the chorus. So when you listen to the chorus. There's a bass under goes blum ba ba bum ba da da dun blum bum 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 and you'll never notice until you listen. Would you say that for the most part a bass player has done his job if most people kind of didn't know he was there? A hundred percent. Okay. I didn't know if I was about to get chewed out for saying that. No, because I mean how many songs if you think of great songs, a great song is a great song if Corey Ryan Forrester or the audience members out there think it's a great song. Not if Matt right. is a great song. So think of a great song and go, oh, the bass is what brought me to the party. No, the bass is awesome because it, it, ha it has to be there. Right. It doesn't bring you to the party, I don't think. When I think of bass, and this is showing my age a little bit, sure, but like I think of Red Hot Chili Peppers and there are a cup like there's some legit bass solos in Red Hot that fucking go hard, you know, that are really good. He's the exception that makes the rule, right? Right, right. Also, right. he's a band kid who played trumpet in high school, jazz trumpet. He reads music, he knows his shit, and he contributes to the band. When you hear songs that are slow, melodic songs, he does play busy, but he does so that helps the song. And, um, you know, it's a rarity. Most bass players who have like a ton of chops, ton of chops, ton of chops. No one's listening to that music except musicians. Yeah, I listen to like a fair amount of bluegrass, and it's a little bit more, um, it's a little bit more uh, presented in bluegrass just because in traditional bluegrass there's no drums. Right. So I think the bass oftentimes gives you that kind of you know hard beat because uh, a lot of these dudes are playing a stand-up bass and they slap it more but other than that like yeah you don't really know that there we talked earlier about what pronounced is the word i was the bass is a little bit more pronounced and it's interesting too because we talked earlier about the way a drum set set up we said okay the kicks on the one the snares on the th on the two and the four right and the hi-hats on every number right you don't have a you don't have a drum set in a bluegrass band right right so 
the bass is now the kick drum. Right. right? And your hi-hat is your mandolin. Right? Interesting. And then your snare a lot of times is your that's that's the snare. Boom dot boom dot. That's your guitar. You put that together and rhythmically they're filling in those spaces a drum set would fill in. They're filling in the kicks, the snares, and the mandolins always right. Right. And everything else is just uh added bonus, you know, if you have a good that slot. makes so much sense. I never thought about it like that because like there are some bluegrass, like modern day bluegrass bands that like newgrass revival, right? That have drums. Yes, they have drums. And there's a lot of traditionalists. They're like, well, if they have drums, they're not bluegrass. And it's like, well, maybe some banjo players got tired of their mandolin player quitting all the time and losing their goddamn hi hats. So they were like, fuck it, Johnny can play drums. My my dad to this day, you know, he's an old bluegrasser. He's like, I like Bella, but he can't play bluegrass. I'm like, dude, you have no fucking idea what the fuck you're talking about. You know? Right. Like, what? <laughs> My dad is, uh, I think, the good type of bluegrass fan where he goes, yeah, because dad was in a bluegrass band too. And he's like, I do think that traditionally bluegrass doesn't have drums. However, I still think that they're good at doing right. what they do. So who gives a shit what I you think? Know, and as someone who had new grass revival members hanging out at my house as a kid, you know, and, yeah. and also it's interesting. Your dad was in a bluegrass band. My, my dad and mom both played in a bluegrass band together. My mom was a bass player, stand up bassist and um, sang. And my dad sings and plays guitar and banjo. And dad, uh, my dad, guitar and banjo and singer. You know, I think that's where I got the multi-instrumental thing from because in rock and roll, at, at least up in, when I was coming up, multi-instrumentalism wasn't a thing, right? Right. But like in bluegrass, it was. You could double double duty, and I'd see all these guys coming. And, oh, I'll play fiddle on this song. I'll play mandolin on this song. Right. Guitar on this song, you know? And I think the bluegrass tradition is just like, grab whatever's there. Go it's ahead. got strength because my dad can play pretty much anything with strings. I right. mean, right. mandolin, dobro, all, the only thing that he can't play with strings is like, a steel guitar and he told me he's like yeah that's because he's like to me in my opinion he's like a steel guitar is a calling <laughs> he's like you know you it's like i can pick up all this other shit and make it make sense to me he's like a steel guitar is like a heart surgeon like you gotta have a specific motherfucker to do that the reason is is because there's a lot of cross um pollinization between guitar and like say mandolin right you had just yeah. have to learn some shapes yeah of course right. if you just know a couple couple licks on guitar mandolin or even banjo once you learn how it's tuned uh it cross pollinates but then when you get to slide guitar you have to play licks on something that's tuned to a different chord with a different yeah. technique it's not like oh i'll just pick this up it, there's right not, there's not as many threads combining the, the right 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 that makes sense because if you play an instrument and i've taught a lot of multi-instrumentalists like i barely teach anybody who doesn't play multi-instrumentalists is that once you learn music for real you can pick up any instrument basically all you have to do is know where the notes are and how to hit them because music right. is music. Like you're very musical. If you hit any kind of drum quarry, you would probably sound good regardless of what kind of drum it is. Right. Well, I appreciate that. That's nice of you to say. For sure. So back to the song, the song just repeats these verse, chorus, verse, chorus. There's nothing else in there. And um, th is that something you would notice, Corey, or is that something you wouldn't notice? It's something I noticed in this song because I've heard it a million goddamn times. And it's definitely something that I notice more now because of hanging out with you and also because I notice lyrics more now and I notice structure more now just because 
you just said music is music. Well, to me, writing is writing. So, sure. you know, like a story is a fucking story. It's going to have a, a beginning, a middle, and an end. And uh, I'm and so like I I pay more attention to that now. So with this song being so repetitive, I think it's got five verses, right? It's so it's very yeah. repetitive. Yeah, and you so, never really quite know when that you think it's done, and then you go, oh fucking right, they got to catch the um, cannonball. So that's the interesting thing is I talked earlier about how, in my opinion, lyrics don't aren't crucial. However, in this song, lyrics are one of the reasons they're able to get away with it. How else besides lyrics, how does this song keep you interested, Corey, uh, in the fact that it's repetitive in its melodies and its structure? I mean, it's hard because I'm interested because I love the fucking band. And also I've seen the last waltz a million fucking times. So when I hear this song, I'm seeing in my mind, uh, LeVon Helm sitting there playing it. I'm seeing Danko. I'm seeing Garth Hudson. I'm seeing Richard Manuel. I'm seeing Robbie Robertson. I'm seeing all this good shit. But for the regular person, I, I, I don't know, really, honestly. I'm different. But there's no, but there's something there. There's a reason why. And let's talk it's about it. It's just the fucking best. No, it doesn't. It is the fucking best. I know. But I, I always believe you can define something. So when you, especially musically, right? Because I think there's so many mysteries in the world. We can define this. We talked about Tom Sawyer last week, how everything was so structured and everything was so exact and everything worked really good, right? In this song, they repeat the same verses and chorus, but they're never the same. Right. Like, there's always Robbie Robertson, Rick Danko, uh, the piano player. Uh, what's the piano Garth player? Garth Hudson. Yeah. No, Richard Manuel. Richard Manuel. Garth Hudson and, plays that organ. And Levon Helm do different stuff every verse. Right. It's the opposite of tom sawyer the thread is the structure the thread is the melody right. but he sings the melody different every time he does a little skittle scat on some stuff you know uh he does he that does is all- true and they're all very subtle but just enough to trick your brain into going hey that's different because and he's not like it's not like it's designed in a laboratory where he's like we shall make the third verse a little bit higher it's right. more like i'm gonna feel this shit and i'm gonna make it feel good for me and so if right. it feels good for me, it's going to feel good. And meanwhile, Robbie Robertson is a very, again, irreverent guitar player that he just can, he just fiddles around a lot and it just usually hits, right? But it's never the same. It's always different in every part. If you've seen The Last Waltz, you know, does has any does anyone, he's got such an O face when he's playing. Like, there'll be sometimes up there like, this, all right, so the movie The Last Waltz was a Scorsese and there's all these like, tales of like yeah that actually the reason that the band was uh even playing their last show and the reason that they were breaking up is because robbie robertson was very interested in doing like more hollywood shit doing some scores he'd become friends with scorsese and all these guys and he was becoming a little bit too big for his britches and he thought he was he was a very self-important type guy and having all that knowledge when you go back and watch the last waltz there's so many times where he's up there and he's just fucking given these faces and I'm sitting there, I'm like, you're not even really playing that much. Like, what the fuck are you doing? Like, I don't know. He just always looks like he's about to come. It's just such a great experience to be jamming with guys at that level. I'm sure. Because when you're playing with guys that good and that experienced, (laughs) if you just hit fucking, if they're just going like that, like the band groove, they're like, and you just sit there doing this. You're right in you're just like right. fucking in it's like the best feeling in the world right 
Yeah, I mean, granted, like when I when I'm like, man, he really acts like he's having a goddamn good time. Like Steve, like Joni Mitchell's there, Neil Young's there, fucking bot. Like, of course, dude. He was he was also probably high as a cat's ass. Now, uh, in songs, we haven't talked a lot about hooks. Every song has got to have a hook. I, that's what brings you back. I'm told. That song is the most. It's amazing. Song. It's one of my, it's he's one saying, of my favorite songs of all time. Everybody. And you're going to buy this record, you dumb motherfuckers. So buy it up, bitches. It's the best. We're talking about Hook by Blues Traveler. It's Which uses, song. which, yeah. So if you don't know what we're talking about, Hook is, he's literally referring to the hook of the song. The whole point is that it doesn't matter what I say as long as I sing with inflection. The whole song, the lyrics are just a fuck you to the music industry putting out bullshit. And on top of that, it's in, it's canon and D. It's <laughs> you canon and D. How do you know that? That's great. <laughs> Because I fucking love that song and I yeah, love music. He, he, I think they don't do it in D, but it is canon. It's exactly yeah. canon. And, you know, there's parts of the song where he's like, I'm going to do this right now to fucking yeah. show you uh, that you're stupid. Oh, here I go. I'm going to talk about mythical creatures. Here's some mythical creatures. It's, gonna, I used to sing that at the bar, too. Have you ever seen them live? Twice. Dude, they're it fucking was good, too. Amazing. <laughs> it, I saw them at the Lincoln Park. all day. They're fucking awesome. Well, first off, I would love to do one of theirs. That's instant nominee uh, because, yeah, okay, I've seen them twice. One time was at the Lincoln Park Zoo in Chicago, which was tremendous. The other time, the first time I ever saw them, I was in fifth grade, and they were at a little festival in Chattanooga called Riverbend, and I was so excited because they were my favorite. Uh, they were one of my favorite bands. They're like, I had like four favorite bands at the time, and Blues Traveler was like fucking, you know, right there. I'm so excited. My friend's mom Beth, I'm going to call her out. Beth, if you're listening, takes us, and I'm so excited. And we get there. We show up a little early. We get good seats on the lawn or whatever. They start playing. I'm losing my fucking mind. It's amazing. After one song, she goes, ugh, that harmonica gets on my nerves. We're leaving, and we left. She, she, yeah. Because of the heart, because of arguably the ticket, the heart, John Hopper, John Popper playing the fucking harmonica. I saw John Popper at a smaller venue once called Innsbruck and Richmond. I've seen him mm -hmm. at bigger venues too. But in this venue, it was the stage was kind of close to the crowd, maybe like four feet away, five feet away. Mm -hmm. He was elevated. And he was um he was playing harmonica, right? And there was mm -hmm. a woman in the front row trying to light a cigarette. Motherfucker threw a lighter in the middle of a solo. Oh my God. Right. <laughs> Dude. <laughs> just tossed it hit her in the hands got her wow. threw it back he's in the middle of a solo Badass. that is amazing um uh, also the first time i ever did acid was uh the day that they caught john popper in washington dc driving that uh suv full of guns and hand grenades right. and shit yeah. Yeah. and i was free I, my ass the acid had just kicked in and my buddy was like hey man did you, he didn't know his name. He goes, did you hear about Blues Traveler, the guy from Blues Traveler? And I was like, what? And they were like, he just got caught in Washington, D.C. with all these guns in his car and these grenades. And the, my first thought was just, they got to him, man. They're coming. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Blues Traveler is an example, and I know we're talking about the band, but Blues Traveler is a band that might not exist if not for the band, but also an example yeah. of music being done right. I remember my band used to do this song. I don't know. That's a song. It's called, yeah. but anyway, it's an it's, it's one of my. I uh, I uh, dude, if you didn't I, start uh, dancing the minute that song starts, there's something yeah. wrong with you. Something 
day an answer will find you. A long shot. But anyway, the crazy thing about him, I know this isn't the podcast. I know we're talking about the band. John Popper somehow has become a harmonica. His okay. voice is a harmonica. This is going to be so funny to you, right? Because this is like inside musician stuff. So, you know, like John Popper's got like harmonica heat, like other harmonica players. <laughs> you know what I'm, saying? I'm not joking. Other harmonica players are like, he's not really. You but know what I'm because, and because and, and he's the only harmonicist that most people can just say that guy plays harmonica. He's like the Dane Cook of the harmonica world. Like people hate oh, him that he's so successful. They hate okay. him. They hate well, him. that means true, true harmoniconians know that he's great if he's the Dane Cook. Right, because it's about drawing money. But Wait, well, he's not considered a good harmation? By, by like, I knew a guy who worked for Honer, you know, who, like, it's the harmonica company, and he's... Yeah. With, with, I, my dad used to get his uh, strings, banjo strings, restrung by the guy who sold the Honers to uh, John Popper. Yeah, so the Honer's the company, and they're just like, no, you know, he's just like, he does all this stuff, it's easy, and it's just flashy, and it's not really... Then y'all do it. <laughs> right. Yeah. No one else has done it. We're dying. He does. I know for a fact he has harmonica heat. Like no very few harmonicas are like, you know, in the in the harmonica world are just that like, blows my mind. Because like that blows my mind because like to me, I'd be if, if you were like, hey, gun to your head, best harm best harmonica player. Why is that so hard to say? Best harmonica player of all time. It's got to be him. It has to be him. It's not. It's not Alanis Morissette. You know what I'm saying? Like it's, right. You know. Yeah, Bob Dylan. Every now and then on his little Darth Vader cage. Literally, Bob Dylan and, and Neil Young's approach to harmonica is just like breathing into it. Yeah, is there man? We'll, we'll talk about the way the harmonica is tuned sometimes because it, it it is interesting that you can't really play a bad note on it. It's important. right because it's always in key. Yeah, it's always in key. It's tuned to a major scale. Um, so this song. The, we talked about Blues Traveler because we talked about a hook. You know, a hook is important in a song. It's what brings you in. It's what makes the song interesting. Otherwise, you're just strumming G chords, man. You're just like this. you got to have something in there that pulls you in, something that gets you. The hook is the right word for it. And we also on the show have something I call When Shit Goes Down. In this song, When Shit Goes Down is the same as the hook to me. What is the hook of the song for you? It's the harmony part. There we go. Thank you. Yeah. It is. It's the, the harmony, harmony part. Without the harmony part, the weight is not the weight. The weight is not the Yeah, harmony. I agree. It's the hook. We're going to, and, and Corey uh, had some experience with it this weekend. We're going to talk about it. because And it's hard. Uh, and we're going to break it down a little bit because that's the hook. Let's, and also with a part of the song by the band where we say when shit goes down. Mm. Are you ready, Corey? Run for it. Okay, so what the fuck is going on there besides the awesomeness? That's the question, right? It's loose. What I like about it is that it's, I know that everyone knows what they're doing, but they're so good at doing what they're doing that they make me, the audience, go, they're just up there having a goddamn good time. So they have this course that's, it's a fine course. Take a load off Annie. Take a load for free. Take a load off Annie. They hit this chord again. Okay. And they sing that harmony part. So there's two things that work there. There's what we call harmony, and that's a word we throw around a lot. We're like, it's a harmony part. And mm -hmm. People might not know what that is. A harmony is another note that sounds good. That's my definition right. of a harmony. It's another note 
That sounds good. Now you can divine it other ways, which we will. The harmony starts in the chorus when they're singing uh, Take a Load Off Annie. There's another voice in another speaker singing a higher note. That sounds good. And I asked you to sing that. You had trouble kind of getting that at first, right? I had a very difficult time not only getting that high, but just getting it at the right time because I know in my, I, me, the person who's heard this song a thousand times is like, yeah, there's, it's a three-part harmony gimmick. I know that. But then when I try to actually do all three of them, I tried like three different takes and like, I just couldn't fucking get there. And I was like, oh man, these guys are again, you know, they've done it a million times, but yeah, it's, it's more complicated than you think. So when we have a, a melody, like he's singing, take the load, right? That's part mm -hmm. of a scale. Okay. Is it the pentatonic scale? No, this we're, we're talking about a major scale. So a major uh -oh. scale is the parent scale. That's the main scale, do, re, mi, fa, sol, la, ti, do. In this mm -hmm. case, we're in the key of A, do, re, mi, fa, sol, la, is your melody note. Take, right? Mm -hmm. So usually the way that we do harmonies is we just take a note that's two notes higher in that scale. So in this case, it'd be, that's your note. You'd start the harmony there. Take the road off, Annie. Take the road off Annie. Take a load off Annie. Take a load off Annie. And when you have those together, you have your harmony. So it's basically yeah. take a load off Annie. Taking a note, uh, adding another note that's two steps higher, and uh, it sounds good, and we call it a harmony. And it does, yeah, it's, it, it, I guess it, it does sound good, and it makes a lot of difference. Uh, like, like you said, that right there, that is the song. That's in, in Bohemian Rhapsody, that's the song. So when we get to that part of the, the harmony part at the end, the and, 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 right? That progression is on a D chord. Take a note off any, and the three notes of a D major chord mm -hmm. are these three notes. Those are the three notes. You put those three notes together, you have a D chord. You sing them individually, and, 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 you have your harmony of that part. Yeah. Okay, so if you notice the timing of it, Levon Helm, I believe, sings the first part. He goes. He does. And I, th I thought he did. Who, who's... I, he does it first because he's he he definitely does because he's the one. Sing, take a load. No, no, no. Take a load off Fanny. Take a load for free. Take a load off Fanny. Hey, hey. Yeah, he does. It's him. It's Levon. It's lower. It's and... if you play it again, I can tell right. you. And but he and we're going to listen to it in a second. He has the first part. He starts first and he ends first. So yep. he ends before the other ones, okay? So if we, it's like a row, row, row your boat. Exactly. So if you have a, a word, I got that right. Like I'm not an idiot for saying that. No, it's exactly like that. Except you would be seeing a different note on top of it instead of right. Row, row, row your boat. Row, 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 row your boat. Right. Right. Um, it's it's a round. What you call a round, right? So he comes in first. The second one comes in, uh, let's see if it goes, and, and, so that's two beats later, comes in two beats later, higher, and that one leaves later, like it ends a couple beats afterward. The third one, that one starts last, but it ends with the second one. So yeah. the second, third one end together later. And so you can hear That's that. why I couldn't fucking get it, by the way. Oh, it's, it's, it, it's kind of complicated. Like for me, I can define it really easily because I've taught it a million times. Right. But you know, for me to just give you instructions and say, Hey, go <laughs> ahead and nail this. Uh, that kind of makes me a bit. 
Um, no, it's fine. I mean, I had fun trying it, but I don't hit. We're, we're going to listen to it now. So you hear the first voices leave on Helm. He comes in. You can count the beats, too. And then he comes in. He keeps that same pitch. He doesn't go up. It's three different voices. Something else you might want to think about when you listen to this song is that they pan it so that one voice goes left, one voice goes right, one voice goes mm -hmm. in the middle. And that makes you hear it better when it happens. Right. Um, if it's all together, uh, it can be muddled. So you can right. hear the first voice come in. He stays that he stays that pitch, the second pitch and the last pitch, and those last two end together. When they come out on the word me, that's when the drums hit again. It's Levon Danko, Robbie Robertson. Right. It's fantastic, right? Yeah, it's great. And, and, and. So we think about the rhythm of it, because that's what tripped you up a little bit with it was the rhythm, right? Because mm -hmm. we talk about how most music's in four, some's in three, and we learn from Rush that some's in seven. And I can't count for shit. So, <laughs> so in that case, in this song, they use compound time. They use a four followed by a three. So it goes, and, and, three, four, one, two, three, boom. So what you're hearing is four beats of the, of the, of the original melody with three beats on top of it to end that harmony. And so that's why it's a little tricky because it's one, two, three, four, one, two, three, and then you're out and they all come out together in that harmony. But what kills it is is Levon coming out first. That's what makes it sound really right. good, is him coming out first and the other two follow. I love this podcast so much because, again, the beauty to me of this song is that it's folksy charm. It's, um, it's kind of, I want to say, thrown together feel. Like that harmony seems like, we didn't even mean to do this. We were all... We were all trying to sing it at the same time, and everybody was just a little late, and then we caught up because they catch up. You know what I mean? But breaking it down like this, and it's like, that's how fucking good these dudes were, is we're going to make this very, very complicated thing look effortless and like we're just at a state fair just shucking corn. When you work with, and I've gotten to work with, you know, Broadway singers who've done, like I got to produce a local production of American Idiot, and things like that. When you work with people at that level, they, they can do this stuff academically. So you're going, right. okay, this song's an A, can you hit that C sharp? You know, and they're like, right. fuck yeah. Or they'll say, hey, should I hit this note or that note? It's very academic. These guys are kind of, they're, they're kind of sit under a tree and learn how to play folks. Right. But they have a lot of experience in professional situations. So it's right. not like they're guys who just jam. They had a gigs that they had to get paid for that if they didn't play good, they'd get fired. For yes decades, right so you take guys like that and you put them into that situation you create people like the band who can be creatively free but also know they got to lock that shit down they got to lock that shit down but also they uh are they're very individualistic like they all play like them i've never if you just showed me the silhouette of rick danko even without his trademark mop top hair i would if I just saw a shadow play in the bass, I'd be like, that's Rick Danko. I could do the same shit for LeVon Helm. I could probably do it for Robbie Robertson. I definitely could do it for Garth Hudson. Richard Manuel, too. He plays piano like a fucking rat. It's the weirdest thing in the world. But, like, 
all those guys, like you said, they they kind of they're probably self taught men, but they had to get good by virtue of we're backing up Bob fucking Dylan. We better not and nobody. Hey, hey boys, miss a note when we're playing in the bar later by ourselves, but not tonight. I I, I make that distinction because there's a very big difference between like a Skinnerd who learn how to play by themselves, practice for hours and hours and weeks and weeks and months and months and put out their own music. And mm-hmm. then guys who got a gig, like Screamy J. Hawkins and the other people they worked for before Dylan, like this was a working band that had right. to figure out how to be professionals and how to take the shit they learned on their own and make it work on the stage where the band leader didn't hate them. You right. know, uh, Jimi Hendrix worked for James Brown. You know, James Brown doesn't fuck around. If you work for James Brown, no. you're fucking- The hardest working man in show business. That was no bullshit. But he's also the hardest driving man. The man once fired his band, like the whole band. Because yeah. he asked for more money and just hired new guys the next day that have been with yeah. him for years. Like he doesn't fuck around. And you like that's why Jimi Hendrix is so good. I mean, he's obviously you don't think oh Jimi Hendrix is this disciplined, uh, by the book guy, dude. When you play for James Brown, yes, you are. This is your gig. You ready? Uh-huh. I'm talking an entire song is like I would have been fired for that, by the way, because I fucked it up. Of course you would have. That's the whole song. You don't get to do anything else. You don't get to riff. You don't get to fuck around. You do that song. How and fucking good is James Brown? Dude, it's, you know, he's known for being tough. He was known for, uh, for a few things. Yeah, right. <laughs> Put a bit of that one, too. It's a man's world. Hey! That uh, CNN interview is the greatest thing in the fucking whole world. That's the, that's, it's that or uh, Chuck Berry farting on that lady's <laughs> Can I can I make a confession? Two of the greatest moments in rock and roll. Can I make a confession to you? Yeah. I think we have a psychic thing going on because I literally in my head had the Chuck Berry fart moment confused with James Brown. And I was literally thinking of the fart moment where he farted. Hilar- hilarious. Is that funny? I was that is funny. We're we're in the pocket. No, that was uh James Brown was he went on CNN and he was fucking high, so high. I mean I do not think this man knew that he was on national television talking. I, there's no way. And this woman asked him something about sexual allegations or something like that. And James Brown, his response to her was, it's a man's world. <laughs> he just sang one of his lyrics. Like, that was his explanation. Like, what do you want, bitch? I don't know what to tell you. It's a man's world. And hey, you got to look it up. Go out of your way. Where were you, Mr. Brown? In the hot tub. <laughs> Oh fuck me! All right, well, back to the back to the weight. So the weight, you know, the analysis of it is that it is a folksy band that had to learn how to play professionally, and that they do repetitive songs that they differentiate just due to their own creative creativity, but also nail this harmony. Um, we talked about the way a drum set is composed, and we talked about the concept of swing that underneath this music. It's not necessarily pronounced or defined all the time, but underneath this boom, to got to boom, underneath there is this boom, and that's Levon Helm. You can almost picture his fucking head moving the boot, and that's swung. It's a and it's it's basically a fast version of taking a beat, dividing it by three, taking out the middle one. So it's not like a robot. It's not but it's and then we talked about how they had to count out the melody. We talked about harmonies. And uh, we talked about lyrics being important in this song to keep differentiating it from verse to verse so that we get, keep the audience's interest. 
just an absolute banger of a song. It is definitely on my Mount Rushmore, which I, you know, I'm sure it's one of those things where if you asked me next week, it'd be a completely different. I don't. That's not true. It wouldn't be a completely different four songs. I think the two songs that are like always on my Mount Rushmore are the Weight and uh, uh, Dead Flowers. But the Weight's it's it's hard to say the way it's not my favorite song of all time I, i'm anxious to talk about back in black with people i'm not like this acdc freak but back in black is a song to, that appeals to everybody and there's things in there that i really want to talk about um of course which one of them songs that you hit one lick and you know what song it is immediately for sure, for sure. yeah the, the word with back in black is the word space yep you're correct Bounce. Down, down. All right, let me just give you a little Damn. intro. It's something you've never thought about ever, right? Okay. You ready? Yeah. So that space, bump, banana, right? What he, what the vocalist does in the first verse by filling in that space. He, Was that OG or second? It's it's Brian Johnson. It's the second. Okay, one. Brian Johnson. Yeah. So after he hits the first line, he goes bump. He's back in black, and then he exchanges back and forth. Dun dun dun. Hit the sack. Dun dun dun. Been so glad. He's filling up that space. And it's so appealing to the audience, you know? That uh, does rule. I've never thought about that. Yeah, because think about that song is so much space. It sounds good on every possible system. Any system yeah, he's not had. really, him and the guitar aren't really singing at the same time there at the beginning. Well, it's back and back. Hit the sack. But you know, be back, because I let loose. Did you hear that? You said, because I, because on the second one, he hits the beat first. Because I, boom, in a band, dun, 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 yeah. with the gang, dun, yeah. dun, and now we're singing together right here. But then, hey, you know, it's like. You know what? That song fucking rolls. Right? It's It rolls. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to be like, yeah, I mean, look, it's obviously it's really commercial. Everybody likes it. But, like, honestly, that song goes so fucking hard. If you like analysis like that, we're going to do many more <laughs> songs. We're going to do a poll. But I've got an idea, Corey Ryan Forster. We need people over at supportyourboys.com and it's also mm. where you heard this first this show comes out friday but we put it out monday night hopefully did um, we yeah i think so i think i'll so, be god staying up late tonight to make up for um sleeping on court staying up late last so, night so uh what i want to do Corey, is if i want to do an epic why it ends but i just want to keep it on patreon for january okay so if we get 25 new patrons mm. in january no. Okay, we will do an epic, an epic, why why I keep saying why it hits. We'll do an epic why it hits. Uh, There's never been one time when you've gotten the name of one of our segments correct the first time, and you also have named every single one of them. I'm the, I'm the worst. And what what I mean by epic, I mean like Bohemian Rhapsody, Stairway oh. to Heaven, Carry on My yeah. Wayward Son. Oh, We're gonna make face. those special, the long ones and deep dives. And we'll keep it exclusive to Patreon uh, for a month or so before we release it on the wild. But we want to get those patrons up because I think why it hits is really hitting for folks. It really is, man. There's part of me, the old ego maniacal Corey would be like, of course, the thing that's like, no, I didn't write it. Nothing. It's the most popular thing. <laughs> Fucking bullshit, man. Fucking music. The goddamn guitar guy always getting the chicks while the joke man's just sitting back there jacking his wiener off. But I'm fucking thrilled because a uh, couple reasons why. Number one, I love music and I could talk about it literally all day. Number two, I don't have to do even a little bit of prep work for this podcast. So I am all for it. I hope it becomes so popular. We say fuck everything else we're doing. 
you know, and I have to give credit to a comedian friend of mine that you haven't met that you would become best friends with, Shuli, and uh, Shuli from the Howard Stern Show. And Shuli, me and Shuli are obviously familiar with one another. But yeah, you guys have not met though. I don't think we've never met, but you know, we we've, we've met in the chat. Yeah, but, but uh, Shuli and I were hanging out in Alabama, and you know, he we we're talking about music. He's like. Why don't you talk about music on your podcast, you dumb fuck? Oh, this is yeah. Shuli's idea? Yeah, Shuli's like, you need to do it. He said it to me like four times that weekend. You know, um, he's never not high, you know, but he's yeah. still, just, so you're just like, well, that's nice of you, you know, but um, right. I, but he really meant it. He reached out to me and we talked about it recently. And I got to thank Shuli. Hey, I got to thank you, Corey, because you asking the questions you ask and you having the perspective, you that's what makes it worth it for a musician. Like, right, like if I was smart, this wouldn't be a good podcast. Well, if, when I was married, right, my, my wife at the time didn't know anything about music other than a listener. But when I finished a song, I made sure to show it to her because right. I wanted, she'd say something innocuous like, uh, the drums are too fast. And I'd be like, what yeah. the fuck is, and I'd think about it for a couple of days. I was like, oh, that means that this shit right here. And it's a perspective that every musician needs to try to adopt a non-musician mentality because as you know about comedy, it's kind of ruined for you forever once you can analyze everything, you know? And so you need can to- Can I tell you something about my wife? Go ahead. I don't give a fuck what she thinks about my company. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Uh, but it's interesting. You said this is something that I've mentioned to you of why I think me and you have such a good collaboration for me because even though I maintain that you and my buddy Robbie both have the comedian brain, you're still not comedians. Like you still don't do it. So like, I think your brain works in a similar way that mine does. But like, at the end of the day, you're not a comedian. You haven't been tainted with all the bullshit that I've been. So like, I feel like I'm getting more of a, okay, if Matt Coon liked it, then maybe other civilians will too. So yes, I, I get I get how it goes the other way. And, and I, I do to, give a fuck what my wife thinks. I have to thank you, Corey, uh, for this because I've done so many podcasts and so many different podcasts over the years and i luckily to do all of them and my friend jeff jewett reached out I was like god do do trucking do do trucking.com he reached out said i've never really heard matt sound smart before this is weird <laughs> and it is low-key shitting on you it is funny to hear me like knowing what the fuck i'm talking about on a podcast so i gotta thank you for for allowing me to kind of actually know what i'm doing once in a while well you didn't ask you just said hey we're doing this podcast so you know, I didn't, you don't have to thank me. I pitched it. You, I pitched and it. And of course, of course, I thought it was a fucking great idea. And I was right. Guys, fuck Julie. Fuck Jeff Jewett. It was, this is all me. I hope you guys enjoyed why it hits uh, the weight. I think we're going to put up a poll to decide any ideas for what's going on in the poll, Corey Ryan Forrester. Well, back in black, maybe, I guess. Uh, we just talked about, no, 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 no. Lost. Oh, you're right. The Hook by Blues Traveler. Oh, God cool. damn it. Uh, I would like something by the stones. I don't care what I would like something by, Ooh, Matt Coon. What about master of puppets? Uh, I could talk about that song all day. I love that. Well, I'd fucking love to hear you do it because song. young oxy cotton riddled Corey Ryan Forster was, Oh, Metallica could not have been more over. I was talking about this the other day with one of my students. Yesterday, I had two of my students over. We were, we were um, COVID-safing the building and just by putting up plastic sheets and shit. And I was telling them about different kinds of music like Metallica or Green Day or bands that break through out of the genre. It's always because of melody. 
So like Metallica <laughs> broke through the metal thing because they had pretty melodies. And right. We'll talk about that. Um, but we're going to go ahead and sign off because Corey's about to die right now. And, I do have to pay. And we're going to see you next time on the Screen Door Podcast. Why it hits with Corey Ryan Force. There you go. Skew. Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.